0: The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.
1: Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices.
2: I I don't have to show you how to stinkin' vices.
1: This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: (laughs) Ah... Jim Acosta over at CNN is butthurt, folks. I can hardly wait to share with you (laughs) what's going on. Welcome to the Chris Salcedo Show. I am happy you've tuned in. Some victories for the Trump administration, some victories for liberty and religious freedom coming out of the Supreme Court. Uh, No word on retirements of certain Supreme Court justices, which would, would be the trifecta, in my opinion. Anywho, uh, welcome to the show today. Plenty of things to talk about. Call me up if you would be so inclined. The Blaze radio program can be reached at 888-900-3393. As a matter of fact, all programming here, not just the Salcedo Show, can be reached at that phone number, 888 933 Nine hundred-3393. We are the antidote to the basket of bias press here on the Chris Salcedo Show. Catching the show live. At TheBlaze.com dot com slash radio, that's one venue for it. The Blaze Radio smartphone app or the iHeart Radio app. As a matter of fact, we're getting a lot more listening to the Chris Salcedo show throughout various parts of the day on the iHeart Radio platform, which was kind of surprising to me. Uh, still, the Blaze uh, Radio smartphone app is the is the dominant source for the Chris Salcedo show live in TheBlaze.com dot com slash radio, at least according to the numbers as I understand them. That is running at a a very close second so uh avail yourself of those platforms if you will soundcloud itunes and stitcher this is what we use to chronicle and archive the chris salcedo show another fantastic programming here on the on the blaze radio network and then you can download it for leisure and you can listen to it at your schedule which is makes it all worth it really uh all social media uh, you can go to chrissalcedo.com. You can find us on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. You can find us on Facebook, the Chris Salcedo Show. The Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook. And uh, oh yeah, go to theBlaze.com and the channels section. Uh Lisa just sending out a tweet. uh and I I'd have to I have to I mean, it just popped up on the screen. Equality is about giving everyone an equal chance, not about giving everyone an equal result. Very nice. Uh, Lisa says, at Chris Salcedo TX, thank you for your hard work. Lisa, it is our pleasure. It is a mission. So uh, we appreciate uh, your feedback and and how uh, this program, uh, praise God, actually resonates with y'all. So let, let me give you guys... Uh, but before we get into the flip around, hold on a second. Let me just look at the monitor here and see what they're talking about. Uh, they're talking about travel ban. Ah, oh, wait a minute. Oh, no, I don't know. They they're moving on. Let me let me do the the flip around really quickly, and then we'll get to the butt hurt Jim Acosta. From CNN, from the leader of the basket of bias. We'll start off with MSNBS today.
3: Some of these weeks don't uh, bear much legislative fruit. I take them very seriously. I did like a whole thing on Infrastructure Week, and then I did a whole yeah. thing on Workforce Development Week. Well, I enjoy them. I enjoy these weeks. Of there, that
0: are, I will, Let me just say this. I know you're trying to get me off your air, but uh, you know these, these are priorities for the White House. Yeah. And so they do want to talk about them. There yeah. is work being done behind the scenes in some of these areas. Yeah. But you look at, for example, Infrastructure Week. That was a bill that was sort of already put together. Uh,
2: in Congress, that was hear the MSNBS host. Yeah, right, right. Don't care. Yeah, don't positive for America. Yeah, don't care. Let's talk Russia, 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 Russia. Oh, I have, I have polling data on this, folks. That MSNBS, CNN, ABC, NBC, CBS. That all of their delusion and their obsession with the with the Trump Russia thing is starting to backfire, and it's backfiring hugely, not only on their ratings, but also public perception is that there's no there there. And and I will, it is a Harvard poll, it was conducted by a Democrat, and it's bipartisan, the majority of Americans are saying, you guys have been beating up on Trump for over a year with this, and the best you you all can come up with is no evidence of collusion, and no obstruction there's no way because common sense tells you there can't be obstruction here you fire james comey that doesn't stop the investigation the american people are smarter than these people in the basket of bias think they are uh let's go over to fox Good afternoon thank you thank you for having me
3: not as uh dramatic an effect to be had this time can you explain to our viewers why
4: Well, it's a mixed bag. The Supreme Court sort of did a little Solomonic justice, fashioned this remedy on the travel ban that says, if you have a bona fide relationship, a family relationship, or a relationship with an institution like an employer or university, then the ban can't be applied to you. Now, that division of the effect applies both to immigrants and refugees.
2: This is the Temporary travel ban, which has been reinstated by the Supreme Court until a full hearing will happen in October. So it is most parts of the travel ban have been reinstituted. The AP calls it a Trump victory, and it is uh, to a large degree. But look, this, this has always been his, his decision to make as, as commander in chief of this country. Uh, national security is his department, and the president of the United States has an awful lot of latitude. It has always been his call, and it took going all the way up to the Supreme Court to get it affirmed. Now, this is going to be in place for the next four four months. All all Trump needed was ninety days and one hundred and twenty days, which is three months, to get this to basically put a halt on uh, on on the. Uh, importation of folks from six majority Muslim countries. This is not a Muslim ban. Because for it to be a Muslim ban, it would have to affect every single majority Muslim country, and it doesn't. Only these terrorist hotbeds. And don't forget, there there are six terrorist hotbeds, radicalized Islamic fundamentalist terrorist headquarters, and there are 40, what was it, 42, 43 majority Muslim countries not affected. So Anybody with half a brain cell knows this wasn't a Muslim ban. And that these people, these lower court judges, had to bend themselves into pretzels. To t- And they had to go back to Trump's campaign rhetoric to justify their putting a hold on this ban. Because, hey, if it's a radicalized Islamic fundamentalist terrorist who wants to get into the United States, they have no better friend than a lot of these uh, Obama appointees in the lower courts. And that's what happened. That's the truth. These individuals said, "Well, I know what the, the order says, but I'm not going to go off of that. Like, like the rule compels me, or the, the rule of law compels me to. I'm going to go back on what Trump said on the campaign trail because I know this man's soul. It, it's it's it strained credibility. So it goes up to the Supreme Court, and they do the right thing. So for the most part, it's on. And by the time they take it up in October, the full the full court takes it up again." it'll all be a moot point. The 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 travel ban will stop, or the, the travel ban will happen for the next 90 to 120 days. They are going to put extreme vetting in place, and by the time the full hearing happens, it'll be over, and the only reason why you want the ruling to come down is to reaffirm that the president has the right and future presidents have the right to make this determination, to make sure there is a definitive ruling so these lower court judges... uh. Can't thumb their nose at the rule of law because they're left wing extremists any longer. Now, uh, CNN is in a commercial break. I I don't want to claim credit for this, but they're in a commercial break a lot sooner than they normally do. And I perhaps they've gotten word of the flip around, and they have. <laughs> I know this is rather this is rather. Uh, presumptuous on my part, but hey, stranger things have happened to where they can't be part of the flip around, which I'm okay with, because they are the subject of what was going on over at uh, Fox News Channel a little bit earlier in the day. This is Julie Banderas and Shannon Bream discussing CNN's freakout over the press b- briefings being audio only. Listen to this.
0: I want to move forward now to the white house press secretary uh the press briefings that are going to be audio only it seems uh more recently first of all the press obviously is making a much bigger deal out of this than i believe the american public feels about it um should the american public be dissuaded should they feel as if the the press secretary or the white house is sort of hiding behind something
2: hiding behind something wait a minute there there's Print's still there. Audio is still there. They're still getting the same questions. There's just no video component. Why, why would there be any hiding? The information is there. Gee, but you know what? These YouTube moments, these viral videos that so many of these, ele- I'm making air quotes with my fingers, journalists used to prop up their ratings and prop up their own personal standing among left-wing constituencies. Those are no longer permitted. Now, we here on talk radio, we have just the audio component. We're not put out in this in the least. And you know what? To be, to be honest, I don't see Fox News or, to their credit, MSNBS complaining that much. It's the leader of the basket of bias, CNN who seems to be caterwauling, no video, we don't have any video. What are you hiding? Well, I'm not hiding anything. I'm here to talk to print. I'm here to talk to to radio and audio. And you can ask me any question you want to, Jim Acosta. And by the way, he does. But here's Shannon Bream's take.
0: I think as long as they're making themselves available to have conversations with reporters and take head on questions, which Mm -hmm. they're doing, it's just in a different way. And my suspicion, many of us uh, believe that what this is all about is taking away those viral moments from some of these media outlets who just want to have a fight with Sean Spicer. And then,
2: yep, I think that's it. I've got more on this on the other side of the break, folks, because uh, Bill Clinton's former press secretary is weighing in on this. Bill Clinton now. He's the one who started this whole live press briefing phenomenon. And he is, uh, well, he has quite a few things to say about that. Coming up, the Chris Salcedo Show right here on The Blaze.
3: Keep up with The Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter
2: at Chris Salcedo TX.
3: Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on The Blaze Radio Network.
0: Show. Listen, dial, speak.
2: 888 Welcome back, everybody. Uh, from the Politico, taking the daily briefing off camera is not a new idea. Former press secretary Mike McCurry, who served on President Bill Clinton, has publicly said he regrets being the first press secretary to put the briefing on camera. Now he says every reporter asks the same type of question, just so they can get the clip of themselves being tough on the press secretary. It all becomes just a show. And Jim Acosta has taken this has taken this to a new art form. All these cutaways and uh, making sure Jim gets plenty of Jim on CNN. I've got some evidence that he has really butthurt over this coming. Coming in a minute, but back to Julie Banderas and uh, and Shannon Bream discussing the fact that the press briefings are there. And, and again, I think that this is this is retaliatory. I don't I don't think I'm talking out of school by saying it's retaliation against what Mike McCurry is talking about. That these members of the basket of biased press make it about themselves. I'm tough on this. Uh, I'm tough on this. Uh, Press secretary who speaks for the president, and all you left wingers love me because I'm just, you know, n- nothing is designed to get to the truth. Nothing is designed to get some facts on the table. It's all designed for viral videos to prop up ratings. So, um, Let's uh, get back to Julie Banderas and Shannon Bream here.
0: Play that clip over and over again, because I've sat in the briefing room. You get an answer to a question. You've got the content, but maybe you don't have the moment that you want to put into your package or to your coverage. So you keep the combative tone going and you try to get something out of it. If you have the audio, listen, it's still going to be there, because from what I understand, there's already been a dust up today between Jim Acosta and Sean
2: Spicer. Yes, and, and, and you'll hear that here in a minute. But you understand what she's saying. Uh, when she says into your package, that's what, you know, those stories that are pre recorded that a lot of these reporters file, they call them a package. And you want your story to have teeth, right? You want your story to be new and interesting. And so a lot of these White House correspondents, out of laziness, I would say, like to have these combative firework moments with the press secretary. Mostly in Republican administrations because they treat them with kid gloves during Democrat administrations. But it might make for entertainment, but it does very little to inform you about the issues that are being discussed. And it, it's like Jim Acosta last week who we played for you. Well, didn't didn't Trump say that was fake news? Didn't Trump say it was fake news? He's. He's looking for attention. Jim Acosta is kind of like Obama, looking for attention. Pay attention to me. Oh, I stuck it to Sean Spicer. Problem is, is that Jim Acosta's statements weren't even factually based. He seemed like a preschooler. He seemed, uh, as if he were just trying to generate controversy. And that's not the job of legitimate journalists that's not the job of legitimate reporters it's so
0: already getting here the the we understand and we're going to bring you portions of it but already these reporters are are just absolutely adamant that they must be on camera the question is do the reporters want to be on camera mm-hmm. or do they want sean spicer on camera as you know they always take those cutaways of the reporters asking mm-hmm. questions i never quite understood the reason or the purpose behind that
2: well they love them some them that's why the, a lot of these reporters do it. I think I made mention of this last week when I used to be in television news. Uh, there was there was a way to do a, a what they called a package or a story. And typically when you're doing in in local markets and mine was Dallas-Fort Worth, which was the fifth largest television is the fifth largest television market in the country. You can do a pe- a piece that has you in the middle if you're a reporter. And typically you'll see a reporter out there and they're covering how hot the weather is and boy, it's so hot out here you could fry an egg on the on the pavement and you and you see the reporter holding the microphone and then pointing down to an egg on the pavement. Ooh, I can't. Ooh, whatever. Or you could just talk to the folks, let them write the story for you and let the story be the story and you take yourself out of it. That was how by and large, I handled. Unless, unless I could add something, like I, I remember one one time I was covering a storm that was hitting, and the best way to demonstrate how the storm was hitting was to be in it. And um, to this day, the folks around the newsroom still remember me saying, "The rain is coming down so hard, and the the wind is blowing so hard." that the rain hurts on my face. And you could say, I mean, I was out there like all the other weather guys or the, these weather guys and some of these reporters in the middle of storms and I was getting pummeled by the weather. That's part of the story. The weather was the story and its effect that it has on people. So I was useful, in my opinion, in, in that regard. But if I was just telling a, a, a normal story about you know whatever was on the... Because we had a, a guy that was big into clim- a crime blotter stuff which was... Kind of worthless reporting, in my view, but other stories I would take myself out of it. But there are there are reporters like Jim Acosta who love them some them. As evidence of what happened today, at the press briefing, Jim Acosta again was not called on from CNN, but he injected himself in there because it was about him. Yeah. Yeah. John, can Jennifer you answer question, whether the president still believes the, the, the question? There's no Dude. camera on, Jim. <laughs> oh, maybe yeah. we should turn the cameras on, yes. Sean. Why don't we Jen. turn the cameras on? Jen. Why don't we turn the cameras on? I'm sorry that you have to do it. Jen. Go ahead. Why not turn the cameras on, Sean? Jen. They're Jen. in the room. The lights are on. <laughs> the White the House has identified Jim Acosta as one of these camera whores who wants the camera. Me, 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 me. Get the camera on me. And in Sean Spicer, you could hear him making the allegation. Jim, you're grandstanding for no reason. The cameras aren't on, Jim Acosta. Well, why can't we get him on? Why can't we get him on? I need my close-up. Come on, Sean. Get him on. We get the legs on. Come on. I look great today. Come on, Sean. Jim Acosta, the best from the leader of the basket of bias, CNN. <laughs> but look, does, doesn't he sound like a... A three-year-old? can you answer whether the president still believes the the question? There's no camera on, Jim. (laughs) Maybe we should turn the cameras on, Sean. Why don't we turn the cameras on? Why don't we turn the cameras on? I'm sorry that you have to do it. Why Why not turn the cameras on, Sean? They're in the room. The lights are on. (laughs) The lights are on. Turn the cameras on. People need to see me. I'm Jim Acosta from CNN. Look at me,
0: please. The Chris Salcedo Show, part of Generation Blaze, only on the Blaze Radio Network. The Morning Blaze with Doc Thompson. Coming up in the next program, another Building America segment. Plus, the Clinton Foundation
3: is under fire for a questionable donor.
5: Okay, those are old news. Those like 30 years ago.
3: No, no, this is a more recent one. There's another. I
5: know, it was like six years ago.
3: No, 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 there's one now. Oh, wow. Yeah, another one. Plus, more on the health care bill. And by more on, I mean the members of Congress.
0: The Morning Blaze, weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern, on The Blaze Radio Network. Chris
2: Salcedo. Speaking of CNN, I uh, welcome back everybody. It's Chris Salcedo's show. A uh, CNN had to delete a story. They had to delete and then retract the story. I-, I think they retracted the story first. Then they deleted all reference to said story. Uh, what was it about? Well, it was about it was about Trump, of course, and. Russia, Russia, Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia.
5: Marsha, Marsha, Marsha.
2: And they got it wrong. As CNN, the Washington Post, and the New York Times do quite frequently on this topic. They got it wrong. Uh, I am reading from uh, philly.com. On Thursday evening, CNN investigative reporter, making air quotes with my fingers, investigative reporter, Thomas Frank published a potentially explosive report involving an investigation of a Russian investment fund with potential ties to several associates of President Donald Trump. But by Friday night, the story was removed from CNN's website and all the links were scrubbed from the network's social media accounts. That story did not meet CNN's editorial standards and has been retracted, CNN said, in an editor's, no- editor's note posted in the place of the story, links to the story have been disabled. So if you were looking for the story today, you wouldn't be able to find the retraction. But this is just par for the course, isn't it? I The only check, the only... Shall we say, governor? They have over at places like CNN. Is hey, does it hurt Trump? Great, let's get it on. Does it bash Trump? Great. Well, what, is it accurate? Well, who cares about that? As long as it hurts Trump, let's get it on. Get it on the air. And then when they get pushback, and they realize, oh my gosh, this is going to hurt our efforts to harm Trump, then they retract. It's it's rather insidious. It's not how journalism is supposed to be practiced. Chuck Grassley over the weekend. Schumer knew that Trump was not under investigation when he publicly claimed otherwise. Senate Judiciary Chairman Chuck Grassley called out Senate Minority Leader Chucky Schumer for lying. When the New York Democrat claimed that President Donald Trump was under investigation and Schumer knew otherwise, Grassley stated that in March when the FBI Director James Comey briefed ranking members Dianne Feinstein and him on the Russia probe, this included telling us who was and who was not under investigation, Grassley stated on the floor of the Senate. After that meeting, I publicly called for Mr. Comey to tell the public what he had told us about whether President Trump was under investigation, the public has the right to know. Mr. Comey told me and other congressional leaders that President Trump was not under investigation. He even told the president himself repeatedly, but Mr. Comey didn't listen to my request for transparency. He didn't listen to the president's request. Only months later has the truth finally come out. And apparently, according to Chuck Grassley, not only was he and Feinstein briefed, but so, too, was Chucky Schumer. And he kept it under his hat. Why? For max political damage. So I think we know who James Comey's is working for. Not the United States, the people of the United States, but for the Democrat Party. Mr. Comey works for the Democrat Party. Now, uh, speaking, uh, speaking of journalistic ethics, if you were watching um, Meet the Press over the weekend... You would have uh, seen Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders, a socialist senator from Vermont, come on uh, and had a a conversation with Chuck Todd. But Chuck Todd didn't think it was necessary to ask Bernie Sanders about the fact that he and his wife are under criminal investigation. (laughs) Uh, From CBS News, I'm not sure if this was, um, if they had actually done any reporting on this, or it's just on their website. Uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, independent from Vermont, the socialist senator, that's my ad, and his wife, Jane Sanders, have have hired prominent defense attorneys amid an FBI investigation into a loan Jane Sanders obtained to expand Burlington College while she was its president. Now, bank fraud is a crime. So even though CBS doesn't identify this as a criminal investigation. I believe it's under the heading of a criminal investigation. So CBS is reporting on this, but Chuck Todd over at Meet the Press didn't feel compelled to ask Bernie Sanders one question about his his being under criminal investigation. Wonder why that is. Wonder why that is. I'm just saying. You know, I... I, this reminds me of something I I really do miss, Tim Russert, don't you? I do. Uh, you could depend on uh, at least tough questioning being done to uh, individuals regardless of party when Tim, Tim Russert sat on that desk. Not so much now. Not so much now. All right, uh. Before, uh, By the way, coming up next hour, we're talking to uh, Eric Bowling of Fox News. He's got a new book out. I can hardly wait to, uh, to tell you about it and discuss with him The Swamp. That's the name of the book. And we'll discuss that. And we'll also talk about growing calls for Nancy Pelosi to step down from Democrats. But before all of that, I want to get into this conversation that had taken place on Fox News Sunday. First off, here's Dick Durbin. Now, Dick Durbin is a longtime Democrat, a traditional Democrat, a real shyster. Um, Now, notice he's going to be asked a question by Britt Hume. This is the second time Britt Hume is going to try to get an answer on this question. And rather adeptly and snake-like, Senator Dick Durbin will evade the question and, as a matter of fact, will we'll dare to tell Brit Hume that his question wasn't important, that what really he should be focused on is what Dick Durbin wants to focus on, politically speaking. This is one example. Let's see, again, this is the second bite at the apple Brit Hume is taking, saying, will you answer my damn question?
3: Senator, nowhere, though, in your comments do I hear an answer to the question of, is not Medicaid expanding at an unsustainable rate? And does not something have to be done for budgetary reasons, long term and short, to curb the growth of this program and others like it.
4: Brett, let me tell you what is expanding at an unsustainable rate. And that is the notion that people would not have health insurance under this Republican approach.
2: Uh, so you guys notice what he did. The question was about Medicaid and the growing expense for Medicaid. And it says, well, let's just get let's let's turn back to this proposed law now. Senator Dick Durbin does not want the American people or people who are watching Fox News Sunday to realize that Medicaid is a past law, that Medicaid has been been implemented since the middle of last century, and that Medicaid is expanding and growing beyond the American taxpayer's ability to pay for it. Dick Durbin doesn't want to focus in on that. He'd rather focus in on a law or a proposed law and then demonize that with no facts whatsoever. But the facts are in on Medicaid, and Dick Durbin doesn't want to talk about the facts that are in on Medicaid.
4: Let's face the reality. Even if you don't have Medicaid, even if the Republicans are successful in cutting back on it, people get sick and go to the hospital.
2: And they're not talking about cutting back on Medicaid. They're talking about cutting back on those who are wrongly on Medicaid. And Dick Durbin knows this, that... Barack Obama opened up the door to Medicaid to people that Medicaid was never supposed to be for. And what did that do? It increased the cost. But what does Dick Durbin care? It's not his money. What the hell does he care? He'd rather pledge pledge your money and waste your money on a program that has grown way beyond the scope of what it was founded to do. So taking money out of your pocket is what Dick Durbin is all about. And he'll, whenever you ask him about, hey, what about my money? Oh, really, we don't need to talk about your money. Let's talk about, you know, what the Republicans are going to do to take your money. Possibly, potentially, maybe. You see the verbal jujitsu going on right there? Now, Durbin, th- and this is a, a good back and forth between Durbin and Barrasso, uh, Senator and Dr. Barrasso, talking about this ever-growing entitlement state. And it's, it's very key to listen to this back and forth. If
4: they eliminate the Medicaid funding, it'll be a 165% increase in Kentucky in uncompensated care.
2: They're not eliminating funding for Medicaid. They're eliminating the unsustainable expansion that Obama put this country under, Mr. Durbin. There's plenty of money in Medicaid to handle what it was founded to do. And what was it founded to do? to help poor people, pregnant mothers, poor children, not the millions and millions and millions of people that you, Dick Durbin, and Barack Obama piled onto it, people that it was never founded to help. But this is the insidious nature of the entitlement state.
4: There's going to be medical care given to these people, the working poor and those who are struggling, and others will have to pay for it. The Got Republicans it. won't face that reality. Yeah, they want you to accept that
2: that you, that this is your lot in life, to pay for somebody else's health care, that you bust your butt, you sacrifice trying to put food on the table and keep a roof over your head for your family, and Dick Durbin wants you to know it's also your responsibility to pay for somebody else's health care. That's what he wants you to accept. Sorry, Dickie. We don't accept it. We don't accept it. Where is it written that you are responsible to pay for your neighbor's health care? Hmm? And this and this is what he wants you all to accept. Accept that we have grown Medicaid beyond its scope. We've grown Medicare beyond its scope. Just just accept it.
5: Senator
6: Barasa? Well, Medicaid was set up for poor women, for children, and for people with disability. Obamacare used Medicaid as a dumping ground for able-bodied, working-aged individuals. There are ways to modify Medicaid. Mike Pence, vice president, when he was governor of Indiana, did a wonderful job of that with the local control that we are asking for all across the country. But the growth... Will continue for Medicaid. We need to do it in a responsible way. But to just uh, talk about these things as being cuts, it's just not the case. And when they put dumped all of these additional people onto Medicaid, it made it that much harder for the poor women, children, and people with disabilities to get the treatment they need, because now more and more doctors are saying, actually a third of doctors say, I just can't see any new Medicaid patients. So Obamacare actually made it worse for patients who were originally designed to be helped by Medicaid.
2: Did you guys get that? Because Obama threw so many people on who were able-bodied folks, who were, ne- who were never intended to be helped out by Medicaid, the people who were really in need of Medicaid, who the program was set up for, they can't be seen. They can't be helped. Because President Obama and Dick Durbin want to have a dependency, having America dependent on government, dependent on them for their for their medical care it's rather insidious and it ends up hurting those they claim they want to help i got more on the other side of the break stick with me it's chris Salcedo show here on the blaze
1: the media wasn't ready for a conservative latino so naturally we gave him a show the chris salcedo show
0: on the blaze radio network The Chris Salcedo
2: Show. All right, so I already played for you, Dick Durbin, on Fox News Sunday, avoiding one question about Medicaid. He does the same dang thing when it comes to Obamacare and the damage it's doing.
4: And secondly, we're going to see premiums go up dramatically, particularly those. But they're going up dramatically now, aren't they, Senator?
3: Aren't they going up dramatically they're now? They're
4: going up but, uh, but they're going up now, but I can tell you it is a finite group of individual insurance marketplace people, 5 to 6% of the overall market. That's what we need to sit down and fix.
2: Dim- uh-huh. That's an out and out lie. That's an out and out lie. D- Dick Durbin wants America to think that only 5 to 6% of America Are seeing premium increases, and that's absolutely patently absurd. It's not just five to 6% of the individuals on the, uh, of folks on the individual market. The entire health insurance industry is skyrocketing. Skyrocketing because
4: of Obama. Care. Democrats and Republicans should work together to make the Affordable Care Act work for them. Senator not Brat- devastate Medicaid. Senator- not raise premiums.
3: Senator Durbin, let me just cite a couple of examples and let you respond to them. In the state of Maryland, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield up fifty-two percent, twenty eighteen. You can see New York forty-nine percent, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield. Cigna in Virginia forty-five percent. Anthem in Connecticut thirty-four percent. Delaware Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield up thirty-four percent. Those are pretty. Sharp increases, and they, and, and those are just a sample, um, Senator. I, it seems to me that uh, to complain that uh, that premiums may go up under this plan, it, it seems to me it, they're going up pretty seriously under the present situation. Are they not?
4: The Congressional Bud, the Congressional Budget Office, when they analyze the House approach, which is <laughs>
2: he's the House approach, he's going back to the House bill. So we're talking about Obamacare, a law that was shoved down our our throats by Democrats. Dick Durbin wants to talk about the House approach. Wait a minute. No, Britt Hume just gave you a list, and there was a nice little graphic that accompanied it, of just this year, massive increases of insurance companies. And Dick Durbin doesn't wanna talk about that. He just says, well, if the Republicans do it, it's gonna be even worse. Well, I'll tell you what, Dickie, we had we had it your way for the last uh, for the last seven years with Obamacare, and you showed us how how much you could screw up health insurance and how much you could screw us over. Why don't you let the Republicans have their turn and see what what he's really afraid of, folks? Is that the Republican version might actually work?
0: The Chris Salcedo Show, part of Generation Blaze, only on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Prepare
1: yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair.
2: Vaches,
7: I don't have to show you any stinking vaches.
1: This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: All right, folks, welcome to Hour two of the Chris Salcedo show coming up our interview with Eric Bowling from Fox News. He's got a new book out. I can hardly wait to um, introduce you to it. I think this is going to be worth a read. It's called The Swamp. And he actually did some some investigating into this book. Jack Abramoff. He actually interviewed Jack Abramoff for some insight into this book. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hear what Eric has to say. Meantime, a great discussion on Fox News Sunday this weekend, Brett Hume filling in. And this discussion was about entitlements. And I and I, I want to go over this before we talk to Eric because there's there's a lot here. I'm gonna start and stop this. But it starts off with Bob Woodward, who is taking the, the Democrat tack on this, which is, you know, um every single time to- every every single dollar that the Federal government says it needs to spend. If you talk about not giving government everything it wants, they call it a cut. And Bob Woodward is one of these guys who's a do- who has basically bought this hook, line, and sinker.
8: I, I, I think it's kind of a fantasy-based debate uh, on all sides here, and I don't see how you put it together. I mean, people talk abstractly about Medicaid. That is the health insurance program for the poor.
2: yes. It's supposed to be for the poor, Mr. Woodward, but it's not. Obama expanded it up to a whole bunch of people who aren't poor, Uh, able-bodied people who don't need it. It was set up, the entitlement was set up for the poor, for uh, uh, children, and for pregnant women. And look at how it's ballooned. Look at how it's expanded. You know, a similar program that was started by the federal government, was supposed to be limited to a certain segment of our population was the income tax. It was passed with a promise that they were only going to soak the rich. And where are we today? The middle class is getting hammered with the income tax. And who gifted this to us? Progressives. Yes. So every single time you agree, and it's the it's the Salcedo Show axiom, It is best not to give government more power lest it be abused. Well, have a look at Medicaid. Look at how it's ballooned and who it's covering. It was supposed to cover the poor, the pregnant, and poor kids. That's it. Very small group. And look what it's mushroomed into. Barack Obama dumped a whole bunch of other people who were not supposed to be eligible for Medicaid. But Barack Obama said, let me be clear. I'm saying now you're eligible for Medicaid and you're eligible for Medicaid because because of Democrat policies, we can't get you employed. So we're going to make sure that somebody else pays for your medical care. Let me be clear. It's stupid. And this is the history of progressivism. It ends up in being programs that, that grow beyond their scope and they grow to where they're so expensive you can't afford them anymore and they bankrupt nations.
8: For the people who can't afford health insurance. Uh, And you now have a system where they're uh, at least a proposal in the Senate of saying, hey, let's uh, we'll take them off Medicaid and then they can buy insurance. But they don't have the money to do it. It, There's an absurdity in this.
2: Well, wait a minute. They do have the money because, again, the millions of the people that Obama put on these programs are are able bodied, should be able to work and provide for their own health care and for themselves. But they can't. Why? Well, there's several reasons. Democrat policies have dried up opportunity and employment in this country. And also, these people would not have been eligible for Medicaid when Medicaid was founded. But all of a sudden, they're eligible. Why? Because Barack Obama and Democrats needed to keep people under medical care because of their failed policies. It just, as you can see, folks, it feeds on itself left-wing failure after left-wing failure.
5: It, it's kind of incredible, both in Senator Durbin's comments and Bob, If the Democrat party wants to become the party of Medicaid. I don't think it's going to have a lot of success in the 21st century. Medicaid was a program designed in the middle of the last century where health outcomes between people on Medicaid and the completely uninsured are exactly the same. Actually, on some procedures, you're more likely to die if you're on Medicaid than if you're uninsured. What's happened was that Medicaid was originally a very targeted program for certain vulnerable populations, people like the disabled, that Barack Obama then poured millions of able-bodied poor people onto the program, the able-bodied. What will happen at the end of this process, if you compare where was this country eight years ago to where would this country be if this bill passed, is we'll be more compassionate, we'll be spending more money on vulnerable populations while not propping up a failing program from the middle of the last century. That's what a modern 21st century policy agenda looks like. Like if Bob and the Democrats want to be the party of Medicaid, let's uh, let's take it. Wait wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) That's unfair.
2: Uh, No, no, it is fair. Mr. Woodward, it is fair. That's exactly what you're advocating here. See, The Democrats are advocating this, too, and the Democrats know. All I got to do is get this one government program, and I can grow it, and I can take more of the people's money and redistribute it so I can get myself elected. That's the game.
8: I'm, I'm saying, I'm look, there's a critique of Medicaid that can be made, and you made it.
2: It wasn't a critique of Medicaid, sir. Medicaid was set up to help poor people, poor kids, women, and pregnant women in particular. It was a very targeted, very small percentage of our population. It was elected leaders, Democrats, who are to blame for expanding it and making it unsustainable and more expensive.
8: But to fix it this way, when you've got you know, tens of millions of people on it and say, let's oh, now you can buy health insurance. Well, that well, does doesn't Wait a minute. Hold so on. Let I me mean, I mean, just <laughs> interject. Isn't this the age-old
3: story with entitlement programs, which is to say that once you put an entitlement program in place, uh, people then turn to it and become dependent on it in a way they might not otherwise have done. And then you end up in the situation you're always in where you got this exploding costs uh, and people worried about losing it, and and the and the result is you have this national debt through the roof, and you can never seem to take it away.
2: Yeah, and that's exactly that's exactly the push, and that's exactly the hook. And the the, the Medicaid Medicare, it is unfunded liabilities as far as the eye can see, folks. And Britt Hume is actually is absolutely right. We're talking more about this. With uh, our guest coming up after the break, folks, Eric Bowling from Fox News Channel. He will be on to talk about his new book, The Swamp. Stick with me. It's Chris Salcedo's show here on The Blaze.
1: The Chris Salcedo Show will be right back.
0: The Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo is on
1: the Blaze Radio Network.
2: I mean, if you look at the way that health care has developed over the last 50 years in this country, it has taken a significant lurch to the left. And the reason it has is exactly what you just outlined, is that Democrats have an incremental way of getting to their ultimate goal,
0: which is socialized, nationalized, single-payer system. So you create an entitlement program for the elderly, an entitlement program for the young, an entitlement program for the poor, and then ever expand eligibility for all three. And that's what we've got here today.
2: Well, it's not just with health care, folks. It's every entitlement the left wing passes in this country and they expand it. And the goal is to get you ever hooked, to get your children ever hooked. So it's all powerful state. Some might call it the Swamp. Uh, guys like Eric <laughs> Bowling. he's rapidly become a national success story at Fox News Channel, personality and co-host of the new show, The Fox News Specialist, as well as his own cash-in-in program. He's the author of a brand new book called The Swamp, Washington's Murky Pool of Corruption, Crony and Really Strange Creatures and How Trump Can Drain It. Mr. Bowling, welcome back to The Salcedo Show.
7: I'm glad to be back. Thanks for having me. I was here about a year ago, I think, we were talking about waking up America, and that was, that's what we did. They did. And America woke up and said, let's try a new type of uh, leader in the country in, in Trump, and I think that was a great choice. Problem is, while he was on the campaign trail, we, we kept hearing drain the swamp, drain the swamp. There's a visceral connection between people, us, real people, and a politician who's going to go on to become, or a man who's going to go on to become president, question is, will he be able to drain the swamp? So I start investigating the, the swamp, and I found it was like wildly more murky and deeper than even I expected. <laughs> and I'm sure he expected. Yeah. And unfortunately, everything's got a price in D.C. now. that That's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I Look, this, the, during the research for the book, I, I found out that the Capitol building was built on a literal swamp. I have pictures in there about From early 1800s when they were building the Capitol on a swamp, they drained the literal swamp, but they forgot to drain the metaphorical swamp. And people just got there and found their way around more and more taxpayer money and more corruption, more self-dealing than than anyone expected. I think Trump was surprised and, and he should because the stories in the book are just outrageous.
2: Well, I think it's not only it was Trump probably surprised, but as Trump gets in and he's revealing to all of us just how deep this swamp is, and as you put it, how murky it is. I think many Americans are surprised. It's the old the old uh, adage about the sausage being made, and folks aren't really happy about the type of sausage. Look, I, I had structured this this interview, Eric, and in, and talking about some some hot topics of the day. And then getting into some of the specifics of the book, but it strikes me as you and I are sitting here talking that a lot of the hot topics of the day are a result in, and relate directly back to the idea of your book, the swamp. Uh, it's amazing. Nancy Pelosi, it's for amazing. example, she's she's yeah. under fire for the Democrats. I mean, isn't she emblematic of what's wrong with I'll, Washington D.C. the swamp?
7: I'll give you. Two, I'll give you even two more more urgent. Examples of the swamp over the weekend, Bernie Sanders, we find out the guy who's who campaigned on being a man of the people and changing things in D.C. <laughs> for the people away from the D.C. swamp becomes uh-huh. uh, we find out he's under a federal investigation. He and his wife. For corruption charges. I was like, Bernie, I'm a Bernie bro. Now you're selling my book for me because that's exactly what happens. They have all the good intentions in the world, allegedly. They get there, and the minute they show up in D.C., the swamp swallows them up, and they're dealing, and they're self-dealing, and they're trying to figure out a way to stay there, and they're trading their, their votes and their access and their influence for money and campaign contributions. It's amazing what goes on.
2: He's a Bernie bro. The other one,
7: very quickly. <laughs> so go ahead. go uh, ahead. Maxine Waters over the weekend says, guess what? No Trump, no one from outside of my district is allowed into my town hall. Meanwhile, she doesn't even live in her own district, yet she's there, but she says <laughs> no Trump. And I'm thinking back, this is the woman who was, who was cited by a, 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 a group who, who investigates corruption as one of the most corrupt politicians in D.C., based on her voting for the bank bailout while her husband was sitting on the board of a bank at the time. And she has the right, the audacity to say, no, if you don't live in my district, you can't come hear me speak. And she doesn't even live in her own district. These are two very prominent swamp creatures.
2: Eric bowling, our guest right now from Fox news folks. He is a part of the Fox news specialist team has his own show cashing in and the book, the swamp Washington's murky pool of corruption, cronyism, and really strange creatures. Uh, here's another example, I think, of the swamp. Planned Parenthood gave Hillary millions of dollars during her run for the White House. And in the recent Georgia sixth election, gave seven hundred and thirty thousand to pajama boy Ossoff. So let let me ask you this. If they have that kind of coin to throw around at political well, at Democrats, to be honest with you, why are we giving them a half a billion dollars every single year?
7: Who knows? And that's what the, that's what the swamp does. That's what they do there. They may, They protect their own. Uh, the votes uh, on 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 things like yeah, are we going to continue to fund Planned Parenthood? By the way, doesn't that bother you that Planned Parenthood continues to be funded in 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 the GOP healthcare bill after one mm. year of a moratorium? I mean, isn't it mm-hmm. isn't it a little swampy to you too? I mean, because by the way, Republicans are just as guilty as being swamp creatures as, de- as Democrats. I spent a couple hours with Jack Abramoff, a Republican who was. Very close confidant or involved in the Bush administration to the point where he was actually working with the Department of the Interior under Bush. And guess who he was representing on the other side? He was representing Native American Indian groups who were looking for casinos to put on on federal land. Wow, <laughs> is that swampy to the point where he gets caught. He goes to jail for corrupt, under corruption charges, comes out, and he tells me things are no better now than they were when he went to jail 15 years ago.
2: The name of the book is The Swamp, Washington's Murky Pool of Corruption, Cronyism, and Really Strange Creatures. Eric Bowling, of course, uh, the TV personality extraordinaire over at Fox News Channel, is our guest right now. And you mentioned talking to Abramoff. So after your research you did for the book, uh, everybody always says, it's axiomatic, that you can't change Washington, D.C., i.e. the swamp. But you think that Trump can. How can he do it?
7: I do. So so I'm watching what he's doing. He's rolling back all these regulations. The economy is responding because of it. So you're looking at the stock market, sure, but also housing prices, consumer confidence, business leader confidence. These are all very, very important uh, leading indicators in the economy. and They're all turning up based on their optimism with Donald Trump's rolling back of regulation. Okay, so now he's built, he, he gets all this, this let's, let's call it currency. It's called political currency that he has built because of the economy. And if he I think he mean, he meant what he said when he said, I'm going to get to D.C. and drain the swamp. He's got some ideas I think are good. I can add a few, in, and I do, in the book that I think would help. Like his idea of, of limiting lobbyists in the White House is important. He's got to get to the point where you don't have any lobbyists working for the administration anymore. And, in fact, you can't go to work for a lobbying firm if you've worked for the administration. So in the past, what's happened is, People come to D.C., they'll work in 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 an administration, whether it's Obama or Bush or Clinton, whomever. They'll spend a year or two getting to know the ins and outs of who's important in which different areas. Then they'll go to work on K Street for a lobbying firm, making millions upon millions of dollars for themselves. And they'll peddle the influence, the the relationships that they've developed over the last few years uh, to to corporations. It's an insane, incestuous, insanely uh, self-circular group that we can never see in because they don't want us to know about it, of course. Yeah. It's very lucrative on all parts. So the congressman who makes the vote gets paid, the lobbyist who makes the introduction gets paid, and the corporation who has an interest in the congressman's vote gets paid in the form of some yeah. re- regulation that goes there. Oh, and,
2: and the American people get screwed. They all get always, paid, and the American people always, get screwed. Me, one last thing, Eric, but i only got a minute left. I wanted you to comment, if you could. Uh, Harris-Harvard poll came out 56 percent of the country wants congress and the media to move on from the russia, russia investigation 64 percent say the investigations are harming america i think this is a mechanism of the fbi investigating for a year now and no evidence of collusion no obstruction uh, it, it seems i think the american people are starting to recognize this is a political exercise and not a legitimate exercise of government what do you say
7: I would agree, and I would add one thing. Over the over the weekend, we also saw uh, CNN come up put put a story up that was completely false, and they had to retract it based on looking for that collude, that collusion tie between uh, Scar- uh, Scaramucci, the transition Trump to Scaramucci. Uh, Scaramucci, the Trump transition member, and Russia, and there was none there, and they had to pull its story down. It's an event like that that sometimes will change the face, change the direction. I think that may have been the, the, hey, we better really rethink this aggressive nature towards something we have absolutely no proof of.
2: One of our favorite guys over the Fox News channel, uh, folks, Eric Bowling. the name of the book, Pick It Up, The Swamp. Washington's murky pool of corruption, cronyism, and really strange creatures and how Trump can drain it uh mr bowling always appreciate the visit and get back here soon will you
7: i shall and thanks a lot I, I, out on amazon today and bookstores tomorrow and i gotta tell you i a year ago i came on your show and boy everyone really was a, a, an amazing help you you're you're, you're a, you have an awesome audience
2: Oh, well, god bless you brother appreciate it and uh you do as well because we we talk to a lot of them here thanks a lot for coming on triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three uh Before we go to break here, folks, something I didn't have time to to get into with Mr. Bolling before he had to had to scoot. James Comey may have misled senators on May 3rd when he testified to the Senate Judiciary Committee that he had never been an anonymous source in news reports related to the Russian investigation. By that time, he had already leaked several private conversations he'd had with President Trump to his friend. Benjamin Weitz, W-I-T-T-E-S, editor-in-chief of the blog Lawfare and former editorial writer to The Washington Post. Whites wrote in a piece on May 18th, only nine days after Comey was fired, that the former FBI director had shared those conversations over the previous few months. He wrote, Comey never told me the details of the dinner meeting. I don't think I even knew that, that there had been a meeting over dinner until I learned it from the Times story, but he did tell me in general terms that early on that Trump had asked for loyalty and that Comey had promised him only honesty. He had told me that Trump was perceptibly uncomfortable with with his answer. Well, folks, if this is true, that Comey was talking out of school, should not James Comey be prosecuted the way he failed to prosecute Hillary Clinton for her obvious misdeeds? I leave that open to you.
1: The Chris Salcedo Show will be right back.
0: The Blaze Radio Network.
4: Don't
1: miss Pat and Stu. UK week days?
5: should have freaking ended yesterday. <laughs>
1: yes, after after the horrific... That was the most vile thing I've ever had in my mouth. It was not like, good. it was not we, good. but at no point were we like, hey, we want to get some more food from the UK. Like that was not something we suggested. I, I, we got frankly I'd rather eat uh, I don't know, something delicious. See, I think but it's more like We're not going to get something delicious. Pat and Stu, Weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Saucedo show. All right, folks, welcome back. I I'm about to say something that I don't think I don't think I've ever said, and I don't think I've ever felt sympathy for this individual. But I feel sympathy for Nancy Pelosi. Don't look so surprised in there. Look, well, I, well, maybe maybe you should look surprised because I, nobody's more surprised than I am. Now, the Long Knives are coming out for the Queen Bee. And I mean that that in the literal sense, the actual figure of speech Queen Bee, not what some of you other people are thinking about Nancy Pelosi. Uh, The Queen Bee of the House of Representatives for the Democrats. Long Knives are, are, you know, after another humiliating loss in Georgia's sixth, after they spent, I heard some ungodly amount of money per voter that they had in that district. Something like $22,000 per voter. (laughs) That's how much money the Democrats and the Hollywood elitists sunk into that race. So now they're, they're calling for her job. And I'll play this Fox News, or part of this Fox News story that talks about the growing calls for her to leave among Democrats. But I've got to say to you Dems, I think you're being a little unfair to Nancy Pelosi. Now look, she did fail in one regard. Nancy Pelosi, who's supposed to be the strong woman, subjugated herself to Obama. She became Barack Obama's I'll do whatever you oh, I'll do whatever you say, Barack Obama. Oh, oh, you're the great Barack Obama. No independence whatsoever. She's supposed to be the strong independent woman and she was led by the nose by the likes of President Obama. And he led the Democrat Party into massive electoral losses. So in that regard, I think there there is a fair amount of, well, I don't know, uh, criticism that can be leveled at her. But to say that she's the reason why the Democrat Party is losing, I don't think that's true. I think... This is Barack Obama's party. Even, you know, resident Obama has been out there commenting on his successor because he wants to maintain that control kind of like the way the Clintons wanted to. It's always before Barack Obama came along, it was, it was the Clinton's Democrat party. So he's laying, he's, he's staking his claim. And Barack Obama, I think is truly the reason why Democrats lost so many seats and I think it's, it's not just a blanket indictment of or it's not just an indictment of of Nancy Pelosi, but a blanket indictment of Democrats. You you morons showed no independence from Barack Obama. His was the, the largest lurch left that this country had ever seen. It was the it was the proverbial frog into the boiling water and none of you could be found. None of you could show any backbone. Even you Democrats who say you're pro-Israel, you, you couldn't be found when Barack Obama was throwing the, the state of Israel under the bus. So anyway, I, I really think it's disingenuous of the Democrat Party to make Nancy Pelosi the scapegoat for all of these electoral losses. Uh, yeah, now I know you can't throw Barack Obama out on his ear. But you all had your chance to show your independence and you all caved. You sacrificed the best interests of your constituents just so you could stick your head up Barack Obama's rear end. And that, that's, that's the legacy that's not only owned by Nancy Pelosi because she did that. All of you Democrats own that. All of you elected Democrats own that. Maybe with the exception of Bernie Sanders. And hell, he's an independent. Bernie Sanders probably was the one who showed the most independence from Barack Obama. And and his only independence was that Barack Obama wasn't anti-American enough in his socialist advocacy. But at any rate, here come the long knives out for Nancy Pelosi. And Fox News Channel was uh, very... Uh, adept at letting these Democrats uh, air their grievances, and then Nancy Pelosi was very adept at dismissing all of their complaints.
1: Democrats are getting desperate for a win after going 0 for 2017 in contested special elections so far. So now there's talk among Democratic lawmakers about ditching the longtime Democratic leader, Nancy Pelosi.
7: You That's think right.
5: Nancy Pelosi is more toxic than Donald Trump? You know what? The honest answer is in some areas of the country, yes, she is. In certain areas, like in some of these special election districts, it doesn't benefit our candidates to be tied to her.
0: Nancy Pelosi was a great speaker. She is a great leader. But her time has come and gone. Yes, she's a great fundraiser. But if the money that we are raising with her through her leadership is not helping us win elections, then we have to have this difficult conversation now. If we're
1: going to regain the majority in 2018, uh, we have to have new leadership.
2: (laughs) Okay. Well, I, I think the time to replace your quote unquote leadership, such as it is, was about four years ago. But you Democrats were so drunk with power that you, you turned over. Your responsibilities under the Constitution, you sign them over to the unelected bureaucrats and that unconstitutional fourth branch of government you guys, you guys have empowered with your, with your power, with your responsibilities, that fourth branch of the administrative state, and also defaulted to give Barack Obama a blank check. Anything the man wanted. You fell all over yourselves. Frankly, you fell all over your, your constituents. You tripped over your constituents to do everything in your power for Barack Obama, and you screwed your constituents in the process. I think it's a little disingenuous of these Democrats to come out and come after Nancy Pelosi. She was there a heck of a lot longer than Barack Obama was, and it was Barack Obama's eight years that decimated the Democrat Party. One could rationalize that maybe Nancy Pelosi paved the way for Barack Obama, to get in there and completely screw not only America but the Democrat Party, but that's I, I think offering up Nancy Pelosi as a sacrificial lamb is is I don't know it's missing the mark, and I don't think it's it's quite fair. Not that a Democrat would listen to me, your liberty loving Latino, no, that's not going to happen. But uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi did fire fire back. And she was a little upset that uh, some of these Democrats were coming out. And uh, how did she put it? Having their fun on TV.
1: 2018, uh, we have to have new leadership. But today, the 77 year old Democratic leader was defiant, calling out critics in her
0: ranks. When it comes to personal ambition, having fun on TV, have your fun. I love the arena. I thrive on competition.
8: <laughs>
2: Have your fun. In other words, you know, what do you you think this is? A democracy in the Democrat Party? The the Democrat Party is progressive socialist communist by nature. They are of that ilk. So the, the fact that what members want out of their leadership makes a tinker's darn bit of difference to leadership is laughable. It's laughable. It's not who the Democrat Party is. There's nothing Democratic about the Democrat Party. It's those who are well-connected, those who can fundraise, those who have, uh, shall we say, factual dossiers on other Democrat members. (laughs) Oh, by the way, did you guys hear the story that that shady law firm that produced that Trump dossier? discredited trump dossier has ties to the democrat party it very well could be nancy pelosi doing all of this these days
1: that support may be strongest among members of the other party
5: i had a member of congress grab me tonight say please tell me you're not gonna get rid of nancy pelosi please tell me she's not gonna retire because that's who i run against
2: (laughs) you know who said that share remember we were a little critical of share too for saying that uh The reason why Nancy Pelosi had to go is because Republicans are running successfully against her. And that's why she has to go. And and I think the only reason why somebody needs to go if they're ineffective. Can you say that Nancy Pelosi is ineffective? I don't think this is her responsibility. I think it's I think it's Obama's responsibility. She may end up paying the price for it. But if Nancy Pelosi had any. Any backbone whatsoever, she'd get up and say, look, this isn't my fault. This is all you Democrat members up there who blindly followed Barack Obama. Of course, now, then, then she'd be under the gun to show. Well, where, where did you show independence, Ms. Pelosi, of Barack from Barack Obama? President Trump also weighed in on this. Mr. Trump saying that he hopes that Nancy Pelosi sticks around because she is incredibly good news for Republicans out there. So I... Uh, I know that many of you libs and you Democrats out there are going to think that I'm just coming onto the onto the radio today and I'm singing Nancy Pelosi's praises, which I'm really not. I mean, I I find her despicable and left wing and anti-American, a counterfeit Catholic. Uh, I find her, you know, reprehensible as a human being and as a politician. I'm just saying. What's right is right. And I mean this in earnest. I don't believe she's responsible for the electoral losses of the Democrat Party. That belongs to President Obama. And to make her pay the price, it's not right. But, of course, injustice is what Democrats are all about, right? So why would they change course now? 888 8 888 900 3393 Happy you've tuned in on the Monday, folks. We'll wrap up the show coming up next on The Blaze.
1: The antidote to the Brian Williams Press. The Chris Salcedo Show.
0: The Blaze Radio Network. The Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Supreme Court was busy today. and the time we have left, I wanted to comment on a few of these things. First off, a landmark uh, religious case. Apparently, the Supreme Court said it's not proper for the state to to not allow uh, state funding or federal funds to go to uh, a certain school because it's a religious school especially when they meet all the other criteria. The only thing that was different was that they were a religious school and you can't exempt somebody for their religious beliefs. So the Supreme Court had a victory for religious liberty today. And Donald Trump, according to the Associated Press, enjoyed a a modest victory. The Supreme Court is allowing the Trump administration to go forward with its limited version of its temporary travel ban from six mostly Muslim countries a victory for President Donald Trump and the biggest legal controversy of his young presidency. The justices will hear full arguments in October, in that case, that has stirred heated emotions across the nation. In the meantime, the court said Monday that Trump's ban on visitors from Iran, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, Syria, and Yemen can be enforced if those vis- visitors lack a credible claim of a bona fide relationship with a person or entity in the United States. So there you go. So it's mostly a win. And the reason why this has to push forward, folks, is because as many have observed, you know, the Trump administration is well in 120 days into its initial administration and that any extreme vetting they would be able to put into place right now. But the reason why this needs to go forward is because we must affirm that the president has these powers. We cannot allow future agendized courts to thwart a sitting president of the United States, because it is exclusively his purview to make these decisions. So uh, that's why it has to move forward. And let's just say for argument's sake, Trump enforces the ban, you know, to the greatest extent possible now. And then in 120 days, he decides to uh, implement the extreme vetting. Well, um, in 120 days, that's, that's going to be well shy of October depending on when, when so it may be a moot point i guess 90 and 120 days may make this october hearing of trump's travel ban a moot point um, the the only thing at stake at that point will be reaffirming that it is the president's sole purview to make these kinds of calls uh, last thing this this affects four states texas the state in which i'm broadcasting it is one of them The state of California and their attorney general, Javier Becerra, who's a former congressman, he's a loudmouth leftist Latino. He has banned California uh, paid for state travel to Texas and other states based on well their bathroom bills and bills like in the state of Texas that prohibit gay people from. Adopting kids, if the agency that is helping place these children are faith based, so it's an affirmation of uh, of not forcing faith based institutions to uh, to have to violate their their basic moral tenets uh, by having to place children that are in their care into into homes that don't meet that religious criteria, and uh, it, it has been put to me that well, if those agencies are going to operate, that's fine, but they ought not be taking state money if that's the way they're going to operate. And I can I can see that that point of view, and I think that maybe these religious institutions should separate themselves from government anyway. But on a broader note here, I I am wondering how how much these states like Texas and others are really missing California. It was There was some bogus survey that came out and said, well, look at all these conventions that California had booked and they won't be there now. Well, that presupposes that they're not going to be booked by some other entity. So all those surveys are kind of, well, bogus. Hey, remember everybody, society's worth is not measured by how much power is seized by its government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. Have a grand day. Back tomorrow, Tuesday, On the Salcedo Show.
1: You're listening to the Chris Salcedo Show.
2: Part of
0: Generation Blaze. On the Blaze Radio Network.